bulletin, you can get it that way. Those of you who are part of the prayer list email group, uh, you'll be receiving the prayer list that way. Um, so if you want to be added to that group, you can just contact me and let me know. But um, but we've got the bulletins on there. We've got the announcements um, on there as well on the website and then some other things. So take a look at that and um, hopefully that'll give you the information that you need to know. If you still have questions or you need anything, you can always reach out to me and we can we can help you any way we can. Um, this Wednesday night, we, we were supposed to have the fellowship dinner, but... Again, this the situation hasn't quite improved enough for us to get back together. So we won't be doing the fellowship meal this week. Um, we will we will pick that back up hopefully in May. Uh, hopefully by then things will die down and we'll be able to get back into the swing of things. Next week, though, we do have a couple of services. Um, the next week from next Sunday. Uh, up through the following Sunday, we're that's our Easter week, and so we're going to do a couple of special things, um, God willing, and as long as the situation allows for it. Next Sunday, we are planning to do a drive-in communion service. I'm calling it communion in our cars. We're going to set up over here on the field. If you're um, if you're looking at the building uh, between the building and the softball fields, city softball fields. That giant field uh, is where we'll set up cars, and I'll I'll be on the back of a trailer, and we'll be we'll do the service that way, and then we'll have communion. We've got some special communion cups that'll that are self-contained, and so it'll be a little bit safer that way. But um, we're gonna we're gonna do that next Sunday morning right here on the church property. So ten ten. Looking forward to that. If we're able to do that, we will do that. If not, we will communicate with you and let you know. Uh, ahead of time, but that's the plan as of right now. Wednesday night of Easter week, we are going to be live streaming that evening. We're going to do a special prayer service. Uh, normally, we would we would meet, we would read through the crucifixion story and pray together. Um, we're going to do that on Facebook. So join us at six thirty on April the eighth, I believe. It's that's the Wednesday of Easter week, and. We'll have that special service on Facebook. And then um, Easter morning, we're planning on doing a drive-through Easter service. And I want to encourage you, with this drive-through service, there are a lot of churches that aren't meeting at all on Easter Sunday. And yeah, you can you can watch it on a screen. You can maybe watch TV or listen on the radio or something like that to different churches. But there's just something about Easter morning getting up and coming to church, uh, that really makes it special. And so as long as we're able to, we are going to do a drive-through service that Easter morning. So that's a good, that'll be a good Sunday to invite uh, other family and friends that you have that may not have anywhere to go. I'd love to pack out this field with cars uh, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord together. So um, keep those things in mind. I don't know of anything else that needs to be announced, but if I'm missing something, if you want me to make an announcement, um, just let me know and we'll do that. So um, other than that, I think that is all for the announcements. So let's pray and then we will turn our eyes to God's word together. Father, we thank you for the chance to be together technologically, even if we can't be together physically. Father, I know that there are people that have had very difficult circumstances over the last couple of weeks. We're facing a, a time that is 
unprecedented and it's God, God, it's, it's wearing on us. There are some that are fighting off depression. There are some that are having trouble with managing day to day. There are some that are lonely. Some that are just tired. Some mamas and dads that are trying to work from home and get the kids school and make dinner and do all the things that come with this period of seclusion. Father, I pray, I pray that we would recognize your presence. While we might have to distance ourselves from each other, we don't have to distance ourselves from you. In fact, you are the God who is ever-present. You are the God who we can't get away from if we want to, but you're also the God that we don't want to get away from, that we want to be near. Father, I pray in this time you'd be with us, not only as you always are, but in a special way. Be with us in a way to comfort our fears and to remind us that we can trust you. Be with us in a way that helps us not be depressed, but find ways to find joy, even in the midst of difficult situations. Father, be with us today in a way that will remind us of how much you love us, just how far you're willing to go for us. Father, be with us today in a way that is more real than we've ever experienced you before. Lord, as we open your word, as we read the words of Jesus Christ, the words that came from you, I pray that they would impact us, that they would change us, that they would mold us into your image. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. This morning we'll be looking at three verses of Scripture. This is sometimes you find when you're reading passages uh, in the Bible, some some passages are just so chalked full that you don't get very far into them before um, you've had about as much as, as you can take at a time. This is one of those passages that says a whole lot in a very short amount of time. Three verses that really hit home when it comes to living the kingdom life. We've been looking at the kingdom life and we've realized there are two primary ethics right now. We've talked about love, a love that extends to all, especially to those who don't deserve it. We've also talked about a judgment, a kingdom judgment that looks at ourselves first, that judges ourselves so that we can help our brothers. Today, we're going to see the kingdom ethic of righteousness. Look with me in your Bibles in Luke chapter 6. I hope you have a Bible with you. Um, Luke chapter 6. We're going to read verses 43 through 49. These are God's words. And if you let them, they will change your life. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is owned by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Jesus has just talked about the kingdom ethic of justice, where we as kingdom citizens judge ourselves first so that we're able to help our brothers and our sisters. He's exposed the hypocrisy that often lies behind our haste to adjudicate the sins of others. 
We see the fault in someone else and we're blind to the same fault in us. Building on that idea, Jesus decides to use a different analogy, one of fruit. Look at, look at verses 43 and 44. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Now, what does fruit have to do with the kingdom life? It turns out that fruit's a good illustration of living life God's way. Look at what Christ says. In verse 43, He makes the statement that no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Have you ever seen a good tree not yield good fruit? I'm no horticultural expert, but I've seen a lot of fruit-bearing trees, and I can't recall a single one of them being diseased or infected, giving good fruit. I don't remember seeing a bad tree with terrific figs or oranges or any other kind of fruit. I've seen a lot of healthy, strong, vibrant trees bearing fruit. I've, I've got four blueberry bushes in my yard, and someone planted them long, long before we moved in. But they grow tons of blueberries. Good trees, good bushes, bearing good fruit. All of them are healthy. They're not undernourished. They're not diseased. They haven't been pruned back way too much. In fact, they could probably use a little bit of pruning, to be honest. No healthy tree bears bad fruit. And no unhealthy tree can bear good fruit. Not only that, but look at the beginning of verse 44. For each tree is known by its own fruit. You can know the state of a tree just by looking at the fruit. You could say, in fact, that the quality of the fruit exposes the quality of the tree. Good fruit, good tree. Bad fruit, bad tree. Let me, let me point something out here. The word Jesus is using here for good, it talks about the quality of the tree. It's acceptable. It's pleasing. It's valuable. It's healthy. This word for good is along the lines of fine, like we might say fine dining, or it's fine weather we're having. And the word for bad, it's poor, worthless. In other words, acceptable trees don't yield bad fruit, poor fruit, worthless fruit. And poor trees don't bear fine fruit. The quality of the fruit exposes the quality of the tree. Oh, and how true this is. If you want to find an employee to hire, look at the work he does. Is it good? The quality of an artist. Look at the quality of the painting. And that'll show you right away. The quality of a lawyer. Look at their track record in court. The quality of a machine. Check out the quality of what it makes. If the gears are a little bit off, then that machine isn't quite as good as it needs to be. You, you can't get high-definition video from a low-definition camera. The quality of the fruit exposes the quality of the tree. Maybe this is why Jesus stresses this idea of fruitfulness. He says in John 15, 8, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my, my disciples. There it is, the quality of the fruit exposing the quality of the tree. In this case, the quality of the fruit... And the quantity, I might add, exposing the quality of the disciples, how genuinely they follow Christ. That's not the only reason, the only lesson that fruit gives us. It's not just that the quality of the fruit exposes the quality of the tree. The nature of the fruit exposes the nature of the tree. 
Look again at verse 44. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Again, I'm not a horticulturist, but it seems obvious that figs don't grow on thorn bushes. Grapes don't grow on brambles. Jesus isn't exactly giving us earth-shattering news here, but it is an important point. The nature of the fruit exposes the nature of the tree. Want to know if a tree is an orange tree or an apple tree? What's it growing? Oranges or apples? What about the vine? Is it squash or watermelon? What's it growing? Just look at the fruit. You can tell what kind of plant it is by what kind of fruit it produces. Oh, and is that true of people? But I do want to make a here. Because someone looks like they're fruitful, looks like they're producing good fruit, looks like they're doing good things, doesn't mean that they are. Just because they look wise or righteous doesn't mean they are. Looks can be deceiving. But look long enough at the fruit and you'll know what kind of person they are. People who are disciples of Jesus will show the fruits of discipleship. And conversely, people who aren't won't. That's what Paul's talking about when he tells the Galatian believers about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, he says, there is no law. John the Baptist also shows the nature of our fruit and how it exposes our own nature. One day crowds are gathered to hear him preach and be baptized by him. John warned them. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of come, John says. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He continues, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. As soon as he warned them, they start asking, what do we need to do? The crowd said, what do we need to do? Demonstrate your repentance. Think it out. John tells them, share out of your abundance. You got two tunics? Give one. You don't need two. What about you tax collectors? Collect the right amount of taxes. What about soldiers? Don't extort people for money, especially by making false accusations and by giving forceful threats. The nature of the fruit, loving your neighbor, exposing the nature of the tree. Unrepent, or repentant sinner, excuse me. And by the way, that lack of loving your neighbor, that's, that's the fruit of the unrepentant tree. So we see both the quality and the nature of the fruit exposing the quality and the nature of the tree on which they grow. But Jesus doesn't leave it agrarian. You see, what he's doing is he is walking us along the path so that we can see it happen in nature and learn the lesson and then take a good, long, hard look in the mirror and realize what it says about us. He makes it personal. Now it's time to drive the point deep into our hearts. And you know, that's where the problem lies. Look at verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. It's all in the heart, isn't it? Evil, (laughs) good, come from the heart. Just like bad trees yield bad fruit, and good trees yield good fruit. And no plant yields another plant's kind of fruit. The fruit of our lives 
comes from who we really are. To put it another way, our fruit exposes our hearts. Jesus has made a subtle change in language. He's no longer talking about fine versus poor. He's now talking in moral terms. Moral, objective goodness versus moral corruption. This isn't just about doing acceptable things or being a fine person. It's about being righteous in God's sight. Jesus flat out tells us, he, he doesn't beat around the bush anymore. He flat out tells us that kingdom righteousness, the righteousness that God recognizes and that God rewards, kingdom righteousness comes from a righteous heart. The good person does good because his heart is good. It's pure. It's holy. The good works don't make him good any more than an apple makes the tree an apple tree. The apple tree makes the apple. The good heart produces good works and the bad heart produces bad heart bad works this doesn't mean good bad people can't do good things good people can't do bad things it means that bad people can't do righteous things we're like we're like the vineyard in isaiah 5 let me sing for my beloved the love song concerning his vineyard my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it. He hewed out a wine vat in it and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. What was wrong with the vineyard? What was wrong with the vineyard? The, the beloved, the vineyard owner, had done everything he needed to do. He dug it out. He cleared all the stones he planted it with great vines, put a watchtower in the midst of it, hewed out a wine vat in it. He has prepared it. He has painstakingly and lovingly made the vineyard such that it will produce great copious fruit. What's wrong? God did everything to help us be fruitful. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that God created us to do good works that He had prepared in advance for us to do. But we still, we go against everything when we go against God. All of His work, all of His effort, He has done everything possible for us to be fruitful, and yet we have turned our backs and rejected Him and refused to do what we should have been doing. The works of righteousness are not possible. We cannot bear good fruit until something changes in us. And that, that requires the redeeming work of Christ applied to our hearts. We can be charitable. We can be kind. We can do nice, acceptable, fine things, but we cannot be righteous. We cannot be right with God without Christ. That's why Jesus told His disciples in John 15, 4, Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If we're to do the works of righteousness, we must first become righteous. And if we're to be righteous, there's only one who can make us righteous. The righteous one himself, Jesus Christ. He is the one who lived according to God's standard, fulfilling every bit of the law. No one else has even come close. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Isaiah 59 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor His ear dull that He cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. You see, we are sinners and our sin separates us from God. We're incapable of being right. Oh, but God's done something about that. 1 Timothy 2. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave Himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus Christ gives us access to God, cleansing us from our sins and freeing us from the slavery that binds us. I just read Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The very next verse says, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Put your trust in Christ. Let Him bring the redemption of your heart. Then you'll have the kingdom of righteousness that bears fruit. Then, and only then, this morning, when we see the righteousness of the kingdom, we realize that that righteousness does not come from us, but it comes through us by Christ. When God indwells within you, He works in the heart and makes us righteous. Kingdom righteousness doesn't come from our works. Kingdom righteousness leads to the good work. If you have not trusted Christ with your life, I want to ask you to reach out to us. Respond to this video with a comment, or call the church, or email me. I'd love to help you learn what it means to be righteous. I'd love to help help you meet the one perfectly righteous, who's died for you to pay the price for your sins. If you do trust Christ, now is a great time. Now is a great time to learn from Him, to grow in Him. I was reminded by a church member this week that when the Israelites were traveling in the wilderness, they were sojourning, but they weren't alone. God was with them, leading the way, a path that they didn't know in a desert that was unfamiliar territory. Sound familiar? God is with us. He loves you. And He wants to do the righteous work in your life. Would you let Him?